Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Well, I sort of say I am not Brian Wright, but I guess we're one, so in some way I sort of am, but <laughs> I'm a little shorter, a little longer hair, no goatee, no, well, no gray. I have a few strands of white. <laughs> I'm hoping to get my grandpa's hair. It was like snow white. I'm like, yeah. Do what? Spray paint in the truck. No, I'm good. I like red until it decides to naturally go white, but, you know, when it does. Anyways, Pastor Brian is at a conference this week just eating up the Word of God. Um, He pours out and pours out and pours out, and it is imperative that he get filled up as well. So he is out today getting filled up to the overflow, and I'm just telling y'all now, Next Sunday, y'all better be expecting because every time he comes back from this conference, it is just gushing with the anointing of God and new words and just testimony and awesomeness. So next Sunday is going to be good, and y'all need to be in expectation. Um, But be praying for Pastor Brian this week that he is abundantly blessed, that he is walking in favor and grace and that people are pouring into him everything that he needs and everything that God wants him to get back to us. And Sherman, that's right, thank you. Sherman is there as well. Um, you know, Sherman is, Sherman is such a blessing. He sits back there day after day doing this camera. Nobody has stepped up and offered to assist him He does it day after day. Never once have I heard that man complain. He is always, he's what? What are y'all, 30, 45 minutes away from church? But at the word, Sherman is here. No matter what's needed, no matter what day, no matter what time, if he is not at work and he is needed, he jumps in his car and he is here. So you be praying for him as well because it is such a blessing that he is able to go out there. And this is the first time, and I guarantee y'all, Y'all, this conference is like, it's a phenomenal conference, and it is going to bless him. But we pray over him as well that he will be abundantly blessed in every way. So today you get me. It's not even tithes and offerings. I got to woot woot. Y'all are awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Um, God gave me something last week. Ironically, it's right here before the fourth. And it was pretty powerful. And he was talking about freedom. And I looked up the word, the definition of freedom in Merriam-Webster. And it says it's liberation from slavery, from the power of another. You know, we we live in a free nation. But we've also been made free by the blood of Christ. And this weekend... We celebrate that freedom. And it's not just somebody told me recently. I, now, granted, it was, it was a teen. But I said something about Monday being Independence Day. And they're like, oh, it is? I was like, yeah, you know, the fourth? They're like, oh, I didn't realize that was the same thing. And it hurt my heart. Y'all, tomorrow is not a day for hot dogs and hamburgers and fireworks. It is not just a day off. It is a day to remember everyone, physical and spiritual, that has given 
and died for you to have that freedom. That flag is not just a flag of our nation. That flag is covered with the blood, the sweat, the tears, the sacrifices of our men and our women who have died for us to freely come here this morning and worship our King. But it's also about a Savior who died and gave up everything so that you can live in freedom liberated from the power of another. And so that's what today is about. And as I was sitting there Wednesday, I had this thought, what if all the Marines never left Camp Lejeune? They stay there, they do their PT, they wear their combat gear, they holler, hoo-yah! But they never leave the base. They never apply the training. What good are they? What would happen to the freedom of our nation? What message would that send our enemies? We're free for the taking. But they're, but they're Marines. Boot camp is hard. They're fierce warriors. Strong men. Doesn't matter. You can have all the muscle in the world, all the training in the world, but if you never leave base and apply that training, what good is it? Are they there just for the label? Without the practical application, that's about all it is. It's just a label. Are we at church just for a label? Do we check our box that Deb was talking about? Do we wear the shirt, God's girl, men in the army of Christ? Do we bless everyone's heart? Or do we actually go out and accomplish our mission every day? Coming to base just Wednesday and Sunday isn't what it's all about. You've got to come to base. You've got to PT. You've got to get trained up. A Marine can't decide that he's a Marine and just go out in the world and say, I'm a Marine without the training. We can freely receive Christ, but we still have to come to base to learn. But we have to leave these four walls. We have to get out there. We have a mission to accomplish. Soldiers fight to preserve our freedom, and Christ died to secure our freedom, but how many people still don't know that? How many people in this world still live in bondage to lies and to deception? You know, soldiers have to fight repeatedly, again and again, to preserve the freedom of this nation. Our spiritual freedom is done. It was secured once and for all. God has secured your freedom. He has won the battle and the only thing that we have to carry is our faith and our authority. But we have to carry it outside of base. If you will, turn to Second Chronicles twenty seventeen. It says, But you will not even need to fight. Take your position. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, 
Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Yeah, look at that. You don't need to fight. The battle is not yours. The fight is not yours. It tells you God is with you, but you do need to go out. You do have to take God with you. You do have to take him to the world. If nobody took him to that battle, would it have been won? Our, our spiritual battle is won. It's secured. But there's a world out there that do not know that. It is our job to realize he is with me and I've got to take him out there. I've got to help these people to realize they're not fighting a battle. They don't need to win anything. It's done. They just need to rest in him. To be with him. says he's with us we have a daddy that loves us so much he is always with you the world tells the word tells us as we abide in him he abides in us abide means to live this isn't a dead god this is a living god that is living within us that is the breath of life that is our god that is our source that is love that is our joy that is our hope and he's with us everywhere we go. There is no place too dark, too dangerous, too unholy, or too anything for Diddy to tuck tail and run. It absolutely will not happen. You cannot go through anything in your life that Diddy will not be there for you. Now, we may not choose to see him. We may focus on the lie of the battle ahead. We may focus on the problem ahead and choose to not see that Diddy's got our back. You know, I think it's a little cartoon. It's like the little chihuahua that's going, dip, 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 dip. you know, he's barking and he's hopping all around and he looks like he's really doing something fierce. And then suddenly his opponent tucks tail and runs, you know, and the chihuahua thinks he's done something big and great. But what he doesn't see, you know, is the big St. Bernard right behind him that's going, Diddy's right behind us. We are just a yipping, chattering chihuahua when we try to overcome the problems ourselves. But when we take a step back and go, <laughs> I brought back up. <laughs> Suddenly the problem melts because it's Diddy's. That's what the world needs to see. That's why we have to realize we don't need to fight. If we're fighting, we are wasting precious time, precious resources, strength and energy that we need to use on other things. We just need to realize Diddy's with us, but we've got to take him out into the world. He gave up everything for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Put your name there. For God so loved John, Todd, Rebecca, Reagan, Barrett. For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that when I believe in him, I'm not going to perish. I'm going to have eternal life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever put your name there? 
It's not just for God so loved everybody else, for God so loved the people that deserve him, for God so loved the people that have the money and that can afford him, for God so loved the ones that never messed up. That's not what it says. It says, for God so loved the world. The kingdom and the, and the world are two very different things. The kingdom is beauty, it's perfection, it's love. The world is sinfulness and darkness and lack. And yet that's exactly what God said. That means when I was at my very darkest, he still loved me. That means when my papa was too drunk to sit in his, his kitchen table and eat supper with me, God still loved him. That means that man that just robbed the bank last week at his darkest God loves him. The people that are out here pressing, you know, drugs and child pornography and prostitution, God loved them so much that he died for them. This is who Diddy is. This is what the world needs to hear. They don't need to hear, oh my gosh, you seriously robbed a bank? How stupid are you? Oh my gosh, you peddled drugs to a kid? You're a low-life scum. I can tell you when I was at my worst, I knew I was at my worst. I knew how bad I was. I didn't need anybody to tell me. I knew I was trash. What I needed to hear was that God still loved me right where I was. What I needed to hear was that when I thought there was no hope, that there was light, that there was hope that there was love, that there was freedom. That's what I needed to hear. And God sent somebody. When, we, when I met Brian, he had been saved. His daddy was a pastor, but after a divorce, they had stopped going to church. Brian wasn't going to church. He was, you know, he was living the bachelor life. He was going out with friends. He was drinking. He was having a good time. He was a Marine. He was throwing all the cuss words you could think of under the sun. He wasn't the sweet little pastor's boy. (laughs) Dad goes. But yet, he had received Christ as his Savior. Now, he was choosing at that moment in time to not focus on Diddy, but to focus on the world. And yet God still used him. God still used him to reach into the life of a young lady who had never really heard much about Jesus. My exposure to Jesus was a girl who cut a hole in her pants so that she could have sex in her driveway while her parents were inside the house. And my other exposure to Jesus was a girl who encouraged me to steal a bike because she didn't like the owner. This is my exposure to Jesus. These are the two people that took me to church. And I thought, if that was Jesus, I'm better than that. I know you don't have sex before marriage. I know you don't steal stuff from people. I don't need their Jesus to live a good life, to be a good person. But thank God he used this man of God who was not walking right. He still used Brian when he was at a low point to reach into my life and say, you know what, there's more for you. You don't have to be held bound to what you think. 
You don't have to be held bound to the stereotypes. You don't have to be held bound to the life of your family. There's more for you. And as much as you've done wrong, there's somebody that loves you. This is what the world needs to hear. They need to hear about John 10.10, that they can have life in the overflow. They need to hear, it is the thief that comes to steal, to kill you, to destroy you. They need to hear, it's Christ that came, that you have life and you have it in abundance, in the overflow. They need to know when bad stuff happens, it's not God doing it, punishing you. It's not God trying to teach you a lesson. And that's a sermon for another day, but it's all in the word of God. God is not punishing you or teaching you anything. God is trying to love you. But we live in a corrupted world that is bound by sin. And until we get out there and free them with the love of God, they remain bound in sin. And everybody knows that with cause there is effect. We make choices, we make decisions, and there are repercussions. Until we learn of the Redeemer, until we learn of the one that has broken those chains of our stupidity, that has broken those chains of the sin that I did before I met him, that I didn't have to be bound by repercussions of my bondage. So we tell him God loves you. We tell him he wants you to have life in abundance, but now what? 1 John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us. You've got a ditty that loved you so much that he gave up everything for you. What do you do with that? You just sit there and you hold it? Oh, Lord, I love you so much. And we just sit in our, in our four walls and we just love this word and we pet it. Such a good daddy. I love him so much. And we just stay in our seats. And we just stay at home. We may even sing a praise song to him. We're no more useful than those Marines sitting at Camp Lejeune, never leaving base. We love God because he first loved us. We love him enough to take him to the streets. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Psalm 119.45 says, I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. You are walking in freedom. You have freedom within you to give to the world. Because God loves you, you should love him enough to take it to the world. Because your assignment has been given in Luke 4.18 and in Isaiah 61.1, where he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. This is your assignment. This is who you are to be. This is what you are to do. You may get up every morning and you may go work at you know the Handy Mart or Walmart or the bank or the post office, or wherever. But your assignment is set the captives free. Preach the good news. 
Set the blind free. Set the oppressed free. Your occupation is just a place where you can do it. But this is your assignment from God, which we do because he loved us enough to set us free, to place that freedom within our hands. You know, we give this analogy all the time. You see a good movie, and what do you do? You tell everybody about it. You find a good restaurant that's got great food. You and Brian and I went up to New York. We went to a real Italian restaurant in Jersey. I hadn't even gotten my entree, and I'm like posting on Facebook pictures of my appetizer, pictures of the marinara sauce, and I'm telling the world, I don't know what the South serves, but it is not Italian. (laughs) I, I had to tell everybody. I mean, it's like gold just hit my tongue. And yet the love of God is so much more delicious, so much more satisfying, so much more rewarding. We've got to tell the world. It's the freedom that they need. You know, the military has a um, kind of a motto, never leave a man behind. It doesn't matter what they're going through. They are there for each other. We just watched, um, was it Lone Survivor, the other week, and I'm watching this just gruesome attack. And it's based on a true story. And you've got these men that are just basically surrounded by the enemy. And it looks like there is no hope. And you've got a man who's been shot. He is down for the count. He's like out of his mind. He's probably got like gazillion concussions. He's talking way too loud, which is going to attract the enemy. But his brothers didn't leave him. They didn't put him out of his misery. They didn't just leave him there to die, to bleed out, or for the enemy to get him. They grabbed him up. And one on each side, they took him with them. Even if that meant putting themselves in harm's way, they took him with them because that is their brother and they are not leaving him behind. They may have only met in boot camp. They may have only met when they got to base for this mission, but that is their brother. Everyone around you, that is your brother. That is your sister. The people out in the streets, the guy robbing the bank, the guy selling the drugs, the girl selling herself, that is your brother and that is your sister. Are you going to walk past them? Just leaving them for the enemy to devour? Our job is to never leave a man behind. The army is wonderful. The military is wonderful. But yet it's still full of heathens. It's still full of people that don't know Jesus Christ. And yet they know enough to never leave a man behind. How much more should we walk in love? How much more should we rescue the hurt and the broken and pull them out of the grips of the enemy? How much more should we show them the freedom that is theirs? Because we know love. We are love. We've experienced it like no other. Our heart should be the heart of the one we love. You can't tell me I love God and not care about God. A spouse doesn't get married and not care about their spouse. I married Brian and suddenly I like things I never knew I liked. I watch football. I eat stuff I'd never thought I'd eat. I've gone places I never thought I'd go. I watch movies I never thought I'd watch. 
but I did them because I love him. And suddenly I found that I've started enjoying them. Like I'm looking forward to September when the Panthers start their season again. I could not have said that 20 years ago. Couldn't give a rip about football. But I love these things not because I love football, but because I love my husband, because they bring him joy. And it doesn't matter if it brought me joy in the beginning or not. What mattered is I love him. And if it's important to him, it's important to me. God loves these people. He loves them at their very worst. We can't be at our very best unless we are loving them as well. We can't fully love on our daddy unless we are loving what he loves. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has none than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. It's time that we lay down our flesh, that we lay down our insecurities, that we lay down our biases, and instead we choose to be the hands and the feet, taking freedom that's been bought and giving it to the world that's mentally imprisoned by the enemy. They are free, but no one has taken the time to show them this. No one has taken the time to show them that they may have chains on their arms, but they're already broken. The chains are broken. Nothing is binding them except for the lack of knowledge that they are free. No one's helped them to take the blinders off of their eyes. That's our job. And the opportunities are everywhere. You know, we've been watching videos on Wednesday, and we just watched our last one this last Wednesday. But at the beginning of service, um, we opened it up for a couple of people to give testimonies. And we had three testimonies of this from Deb and Chris and Rebecca. And then I've got a friend that's been texting me as well. And they're talking about, I've looked for ways to bless people. I've looked for people to minister to. I've looked for someone to pray. And do you know what? They are everywhere. It's like they're just coming out of the woodworks. And do you think these things weren't there two weeks ago? There were still people just as hurting that needed prayer. There were still people that needed blessings. But the difference is we've taken the time to open our eyes and start looking for them. And if we look for them, we'll find them. It's like a sniper. Zeroes in on the target. Are we being snipers for God? Are we looking for lies and deceptions to eliminate? The people aren't bad, y'all. They're created in the image of God. He is nothing but good. But every one of them have been lied and deceived to. Every one of them are held bound to those lies and to those deceptions until someone gives them the wisdom. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You have that knowledge. What do you do with it? You be a good sniper. You zero in. You look for the one that's drowning their sorrows in whatever. It may be an addiction to shopping. I mean, that sounds stupid, but there are people that have addictions to shopping. And you know why? Because they think with just one more thing, maybe I'll be happy. Maybe this shirt will feel good and make me feel good. We have to zero in on, okay, she's not stupid. 
she's deceived. She's looking for love in all the wrong places. She's looking for that joy and that satisfaction in the wrong places. You look for the lies and the deceptions within the people and you love on them because they are God's babies, just the way you are. We can't come to church and wear our WWJD shirts and walk right past the broken that we pass on the streets. We can't just tell people that Jesus loves them and leave them as sheep among the wolves. This is why God says make disciples. He doesn't say make converts. He says make disciples. You can't make a disciple if they're not converted. But once they're converted, you make disciples. You teach them. You teach them now that you know God loves you, let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who your daddy is. Let me tell you the weapons that you have in your arsenal so that you can never live again bound by lies and deception. Let me tell you about life in abundance. We've got to tell them and show them and teach them that they're free. Look around. The person beside you or behind you, your spouse, yourself, there's a very good chance they're walking in bondage in some way. There are people all around us walking in deception to bondage and they don't even realize it. There's a high probability that the person sitting next to you just thought, well, I'm not the one in bondage, it must be them. So many people don't even realize they're trapped. It's what they know, it's how they've lived. They don't know that there's more. They just think that they continue running the rat race and that's what you do. You get up Monday, you go to work, you work till 5 o'clock Friday, you have a couple of days and you start it all over again and it's just a rat race and that's all there is. This is all there will ever be. One day I'll die and go to heaven in the sweet by and by and then it'll look nice. That's not life. That is not living. And it is certainly not life in abundance. You're free, and they're free, and there is nothing that can hold you down. Not a single thing. He says, all things are possible with Christ who gives me strength. He said, all things. He says, these things that I do, greater shall you do. That water is not stopping you from walking on it. You're stopping you from walking on it. We're free to do everything God did and so much more. Because we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in us and within us and walking around us every single day. And with that statement, we all just realize there's a bondage that we've been under. If we're not living a life that looks like Jesus in some way, shape, or form, we've been walking in bondage to some lie or some deception. And it's time that we free ourselves. It's time we get free from the labels, from our past, from the past of our families, from stereotypes, from f the plans of Satan. How about from ourselves? That was a big one for me. I had to free myself from myself. I didn't have to free me, but I had to give myself to God to be freed. Pride is the bondage of fear that you're not enough or that the love of God is not enough. That's a bondage that so many are under. 99.999% are under pride and don't even realize it in some way, shape, or form. How do you know you're in that bondage? What guides your decisions? 
Think about it. What guides your decisions? When you're at home with your spouse, when you're at work, when you're looking for the parking space, are you looking for the very best one or are you leaving it for the next person? I mean, it sounds small. But what guides your decisions? Do you walk through life thinking of yourself, trying to please yourself and protect yourself? Or do you think of others first? When you don't like the way your spouse does something, or you may not understand why they do what they do. Now this is speaking from me. This is how I was. I was shy. I was insecure. I was not going to get out of my comfort zone and speak to people. Brian was open. He was Marine. He had been trained in the Word of God. He had been trained in you know, military. He was strong in many ways. And at the time, I was very weak. And if I didn't like the way he did something, if I didn't agree to it, if I didn't understand it, if it was outside my comfort zone, I bucked. I'm not doing that. That's stupid. The only thing stupid was me. I was looking stupid and I was acting stupid and I sure was not loving on my husband. Oh, I can call myself a Christian as long as the day is. But if I'm not walking in love with the one that God has made me one in, am I really a child of God? I'm sure not acting like it. I'm acting like a child. I'd go through life and I'd get mad at the girls that you know, looked so prim and proper and put together. She probably thinks she's all that. <sighs> my problem wasn't with them. My problem was with me. But my pride was not going to let me admit that. My pride was going to find everything wrong in every other person. It was not going to look for opportunities to grow. It was not going to say, you know what, Brian, I don't understand why you're doing this. I don't even agree with it. But I know you love me, and I love you, and I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to put down my flesh. And you know what? I did that sometimes, and I proved him wrong. Not in trying to prove him wrong, but in my actions, we realized, you know what, Brian's way wasn't the best way. And he was humble enough to say, you know what, there might be a better way to do this. But nine times out of ten, when I submitted to my husband the way the word of God tells me to, and I put down pride, nine times out of ten, God showed me a better way. And with every step, of humility that I walked in with my husband. Every time I put down pride, I came one step closer to freedom. And the only one I had to free myself from was myself, thinking that I knew it all, thinking that I had to do it my way to protect myself. It's a bondage. It was trying to look for ways to prove me right. Not rely on God. Look for ways to protect myself. Look, not looking for ways to grow. It wasn't until I choose, chose to put down pride and submit to my husband that I truly started to grow. And grow in ways that God opened up a ministry so that I could minister to other women. What if I'd never chosen to put down pride? What if I chose to stay one of those women that bash their husband? Oh, he's just a fourth child. What if I chose to stay there 
How many women would I have not been able to minister to because of my own pride? How stupid is that? I'm keeping myself bound up, but how many people am I hurting because I refuse to grow? Because I refuse to put down pride and say, not me, Lord, but you. It's a bondage that's exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. Nothing I ever did could make me happy. It was never enough. It was never just right. And as much as I tried to control the situations, they never went my way. I was miserable. I was making other people miserable. I wasn't helping anyone. All because I chose to live in my own little world and see nothing but myself and what was comfortable to me. Absolutely, utterly exhausting. And then I'd moan and cry, God, why isn't it better? Why aren't I happy? And he told me one day, take your eyes off yourself and look to me. But Brian did this. I don't care. Even if he's wrong, you look to me, I'll make it better. It's putting down pride enough to say, not me, but you, Lord. When you do that, there is such a freedom in that. There is such a liberty and a weight taken off your shoulders. Suddenly, you don't have to please yourself. It's this most amazing thing. Your ditty knows you better than you know you. Shock and awe. You are just free to live in freedom. Free to walk in joy. I couldn't have joy because I was bound by pride. I couldn't walk in joy because I wasn't trusting my king. That's pride. If you can't stop looking at yourself, you can't look at God. And you certainly can't look to be a blessing to anyone else. What about fear? They go hand in hand. Because I was wrapped up in it. Do you try to drown your sorrows in the things of the world? Or do you look to hide yourself behind your walls? Oh, I did that. You are not going to see the real Nicole. Absolutely not. Because you might not like her. She might not be good enough. She's not as pretty as you. She's not as outgoing as you. She's not as smart as you. She's not as rich as you. I was not going to let those walls come down so that you could see the real me. That was a bondage. And ultimately, that goes back to pride. But Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. You see, fear is a bondage meant to keep you blinded to the blessings that are already yours. They're sitting here waiting to be used, waiting to be picked up. But if you're walking in fear and you're walking in pride, you'll never see them because you won't take your eyes off yourself and you won't trust God enough to get them there. It's designed from keeping you to keep you from realizing the strength that you have in Christ so you can't share it with others. It's designed to keep you down so you can't help others. We got this phenomenal message last night. 
and I'm going to put Rebecca on the spot. We got this. It was a late night text, and she said, this is a long message, but I got to share it. And it blessed me so much. So Rebecca was out and about, and she ran into this guy, and she was ministering to him, and she invited him to church and talked to him. And she said, has anyone ever told you that God loves you? He said, never. Now, this is a man right here in our back door, old enough to be working, and yet never once has anyone told him that God loved him. She says, it was amazing. I was so nervous. I walked in fear for 24 years. I'm finally learning to walk out of it. And I'm seeing awesome things happen. I was that way. There was no way, even after I knew Jesus, there was no way I was telling you about him because if I had to tell you about him, I had to talk to you and you would be looking at me. There was no way I was going to raise my hands and praise because if I did that, you might be looking at me. And a missionary ate my lunch with that one day. And ooh, pissed me off. When he addressed that, he said, all you people that won't raise your hand and worship because you think God, people are going to look at you, what makes you think they're looking at you anyways? They're worshiping the king. What makes you think that you're so important they're going to take their eyes off the king and look at you? I was like, how dare he? I'm humble. I don't think people are looking at me. He just doesn't know anything. He's been out in them woods ministering too long. He just doesn't know the real world. Ooh, I was hot. And I sat there, and God's like, why are you so mad? I'm like, did you hear him? He just told me I was prideful. He's like, what part of that's wrong? He's like, why won't you worship with your hands up? Why won't you go out and evangelize? And I'm like, well, Lord, that's just not me. I don't want to mess it up. I might not say the right thing. I don't want to raise my hands. I don't want people to look at me. I want them to focus on you. He said, how many eyes were in that sentence? Few. He said, how much of me was in that sentence? Not much. You've got to put down the lies. It's a bondage meant to keep us from lifting up others out of the depths of hell. It's a bondage meant to keep us from telling people about the freedom and the love that is theirs. If you will not do something for fear of looking stupid, of saying it wrong, of not being good enough, it's a lie. God said, I made you good enough. He says, trust me. I'll give you the words when it comes time. Half the stuff I'm saying here today isn't even on my notes. I'm trusting God to give me the words when it's time. Because I know that God will speak through me if I'll just open my mouth and let him. That God will work through me if I'll move my feet and let him. It has nothing to do with me. This world is not about me. 
This world is about him and his children. We watched um, Thursday, Wednesday, this last one, last video that we watched. I sat here and I just cried. They were, I don't even remember where they were, Rome or something. Todd's walking through the street and they've got this mob of students that are protesting the government. And it's, you know, angry kids that are walking and protesting and they think they know stuff, you know, so they're purposed. And Todd's like, I'm going in. And he's going against the flow and he's touching as many as he can. Blessings be, peace of God be, Lord love on him, bless him, help him to know your truth. And he's just walking. He's not stopping everyone and talking to them, but he's just laying on the anointing of God wherever he's going. And he met one boy, Enrique. And he talked to Enrique. They both had dread, so it was an instant bond. And they talked, and then they went their ways. He didn't lead them to God, but he, he planted the seeds of God's love. And they go through the movie, and they decide they wanted to get down to the catacombs, and so they took buses and wrong buses and wrong turns, and God led them to this one spot. And lo and behold, who is there? Enrique. There were thousands of people in that mob. And yet God had him sift through that mob. There are thousands of people in Rome. And yet God had him sift through all of Rome for one boy. And while right there, even at the second meeting, there was not a decision made, the word of God will not return void. There were seeds of love planted in that young man that I have no doubt will be watered and will be harvested. And yet God sifted through thousands of people to pursue that one young man with his dirty dreads, protesting his government, loud, not living for him. But God sent an evangelist from America all the way across to Rome, through the mob, through the streets, getting lost, so that he could be reached. God is pursuing his people. And he will sift through the thousands to get to the ones that will receive his love. And he will sift through the thousands of us to find the ones that will walk in the freedom that he has given us so that we can reach the lost. He chose you. He knew you in the womb before anybody else did. The moment you were conceived, he knew you. He had a plan for you. He had a purpose for you even before conception. He loves you. He chose to breathe life into you. Not so that you can live in bondage, but so that you can be that warrior that Chris just prayed for. You are a spiritual warrior. You are filled with his love, his grace, and his freedom. And you're filled because the spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim that captives be set free. 
be released, that the blind see. He sent you to proclaim that the oppressed are set free. This is who you are. You are free of everything. The only thing that you are bound by now is the love of God that will never leave you. You are free to leave here and tell people about God and their love, his love for them. You're free to go out and love on people with a smile. Talk to people at the putt-putt. Tip the waitress extra. Or to all out stop and say, do you know God? Do you know he loves you? Not every soldier in the army has the same job. You may be out on the battlefield shooting the, shooting the guns. You may be in the office doing the paperwork that sends them out on their missions, that gets the supplies to them, that gets them home to their families. But every single job in that military is important. Everyone supports the other so that in the end, the mission is accomplished and this nation stays free. Every single one of you are part of the army of Christ. And Rachel's job may be completely different than Timothy's job, which may be completely different than Stephen's job, but every one of you are important in the bondage-breaking mission of this kingdom. Every one of you get freedom to the world that help them realize they are free from everything. There is nothing that God hasn't broken. So it's time to suit up. It's time to start walking in the freedom that's yours. You've been given the mission. You've seen it. You've heard it. You know what it is. You've experienced that love and that freedom. There are no excuses. It's time to leave camp and get out there and do what you've been called to do. So I'm going to call you now. If you want to put on your armor and help lead others to freedom, come up. If you've been walking in bondage and you need freedom, come up. But today is the day of freedom. Freedom is yours. Freedom is theirs. And today is the day that we're going to take it. Today is the day that we're going to walk it. Today is the day that we are going to begin to live in it. Tomorrow may be Independence Day for America, but today is your Independence Day. It is time to choose that I'm going to live a life of freedom. I'm no longer going to be bound by fear of looking stupid. I'm no longer going to be bound by fear that I'm not enough. I'm no longer going to be bound by fear that I've not been good. I've done it wrong. I'm going to choose to walk in freedom now. I'm going to be free to accept God's love for me right where I am. I don't care what you walked in with. You're walking out free if you choose to receive it. So if you need prayer for freedom, come up. If you need prayer for boldness to share that freedom, come up. But we're going to pray.
All right, let's slide down so everybody can get in, and we're going to do something different. I want you to hold hands, link arms. This is the front line. This is your family. This is the men and women beside you. These are the ones that lift you up when you are down. These are the ones that when you've been knocked down, they grab you even if it puts, you, puts themselves in harm's way. These are the ones that pour strength into you. These are the ones that fight for your freedom. You were connected. You were bound because you are children of God. You are brothers and sisters. You were soldiers in the army of Christ. So, Father, today, we praise you. We thank you for each and every person that you've placed here today. We thank you for each and every person that you have freed. We call them free now from any bondage under the sun. We name and unnamed, Lord, you have freed them. And, Lord, it is our mission. We will go and we will free each and every person simply by sharing your love with them. We will show them that they are your children. We will shed your love and your light within them. We will show them that never have they been held bondage, but as your children, they are free, free to live, free to love, free to breathe, free to listen to you, to hear your word, to walk in obedience, and more than anything, Lord, free to walk in your love, your joy, your hope. We are soldiers in your battlefield. We will fight to preserve your freedom. We will fight to demolish the lies and the deceptions of the enemies. We will not let them thrive around us because we will pour out your bondage-breaking love on each and every person around us. We will pour out your love on our spouses, on our families, on ourselves, on the strangers. We will find the worst person that we can see and we will love on them and free them through your love for them. We will tell them who they are in you, not who they are in this world, but who they are in you. We will take your freedom to the nations because it's what you have called us to do. And Lord, we take our freedom now. Never again will we be bound by anything that has held us down. We are good enough. You have called us good enough. We are beautiful. We are strong. We are wise. We are free in every way. You breathe life into us. We are your kids. We are your love in action. And we will walk in it from this day forward. We thank you for it, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Now, if you need personal ministry, come see me or one of the lead team when this is over. But you've got a, you've got a mission. You've been given your marching orders. Go. Love on them. Set the captives free. Open the blind eyes. You know, in those videos, the very first one I watched, Todd prayed for an elderly man 
And his prayer was so adolescent to the ears. It's like there is nothing complicated to that. Rachel, my 11-year-old Rachel could have prayed that prayer. There's nothing profound over this. But you know what it was? It was the love of God. It didn't need to have fancy words. It didn't need to have theologically sound doctrine. It just needed to have the love of Christ. It was simply, God loves you. God loves you so much. Walk in freedom. Walk in joy. Walk now in Jesus' name. And that man dropped his cane and he walked. It's all you have to do. You open your mouth. Wednesday we had people come up and have their name put on a list for the outreach team because we're going to reach out to this nation. We're going to start right here with Albemarle, but we are going to reach the people. And I loved what John said. He came up to me. He says, put my name down. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what capacity I'll be able to serve in, but I'll serve. All it takes is somebody saying yes to God. It's not you. That's pride. You're no longer bound by pride. There is never again a reason not to share the love of Christ because you are no longer bound by fear and pride. You are simply bound by the love of God to go and share his love. That's all it is. So go. Share. Love. Amazing. Oh, God's good. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs>